Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Glory, glory, Tottenham Hotspur. Glory, glory, Tottenham Hotspur. Glory, glory, Tottenham Hotspur. And the Spurs go marching on. Welcome to episode three of Hometown Glory, a Spurs and culture podcast that this week is excited about Emerson Royale's crossing and a bit stressed out about Adele Hyde Park pre-sales. I'm Charlie, and we've once again got the full lineup in today. Ash, Billy T, Rosa, and Tom. Now, I'm not sure that anyone really needs another podcast this week dissecting yet another miserable Spurs display in the London derby, so we're not going to dwell too long on our toothless 1-0 defeat at West Ham, nor really does anyone need to spend too much time picking over a drab, but welcome, 1-0 win over Burnley in the League Cup. So... We're each going to pick one thing that annoyed us about those, those matches and one cause for personal optimism moving forward in this slow-moving car crash of a season. Um, Rosa, you're first. What annoyed you about the last two Spurs games? It's sort of the same thing because I'll be honest here, I did not watch a single second of either of them. <laughs> so... <laughs> Sunday, West Ham game, I just skipped it completely to go to the Puerto Rico exhibition at Tate Britain, which would have been my cultural pick, except it finished on Sunday. Um, and I ignored everything, checked the score at the end and thought 1-0, okay, that's crap, but actually it's an improvement on the last London derby. So that was my like cause for optimism. And then I checked in with the hometown glory group and you were all like so disgusted. <laughs> as if it had been like as bad as the Chelsea, Arsenal and Palace games combined. So I thought we're not, I thought we were moving forward, but actually perhaps we're just completely stuck in the same place. So it's the same, essentially. Um, one step Billy, forward, one step back. Billy, do you feel that the West Ham game was as bad as the other three Derby sort of drubbings? 
you know what? I th- I kind of came away at half time thinking um, it wasn't actually that bad in the first half of the West Ham game, and I thought we did. We uh, had a couple of chances that we missed. We did okay. Um, West Ham a good side, and we kind of went toe to toe with them. And then I was kind of expecting because of this whole and this. I'm not going to use this as my um, disappointment, but because of the fact we rested all of our 11 players in the in the midweek cup game, I thought, right, well, they've rested some of their players, but a lot of them played on Thursday. So in the second half, we've got them here. We're going to be fitter than them. We're going to outrun them. And it was like the total opposite. We were absolutely terrible in that second half versus West Ham. Um, and then I know we had naught shots on target, which I'm sure a couple of you guys are going to talk about in a sec. Um, and then it was the same in the Burnley Burnley first half. So we, again, we had naught shots on target against Burnley. So I totally agree with Rosa. I just think... We're at a, a quandary at the moment. We're not really moving forward um, at all under Nuno. Um, and it was good to get a win yesterday, but I don't really feel that optimistic going into the future. Um, do you have a point of optimism, Billy? I feel I feel concerned. You're normally our beacon of hope in these troubling times. I do have a point of optimism, and it's one which is actually really, I think, a really important one. Um, and so last night, away at Burnley, midweek, we took 3,000 fans there. Um, and they were incredible. They were loud the whole game. I think quite a few of the players have acknowledged it after the game. And I just think we're at a time now where I think a lot of the fan base that we speak to and see online feel quite disconnected with the club. But to see that there were 3,000 Tottenham fans that travelled all the way up to Burnley on a Wednesday night, uh, midweek, and sang their hearts out for the team, that kind of makes me feel like maybe the team don't deserve that support, but we've, we've got it wherever, you know? So that was my um, real sense of optimism that... Our support is fucking brilliant, I, you know, and hopefully we'll get to see some good times of them. So my point for optimism is our away fans who are brilliant and always brilliant and they deserve a lot better. Um, very good point. Well, made. I guess 3,000 teachers in half term that all took the opportunity. Exactly. To to exactly. And with fingers, with fingers crossed for a decent uh, away leg in, the, in February half term in the Conference League. That's what we're all aiming for. So let's hope for a good one in that one. Um, Ash, can I have your um, point of irritation and point of optimism, please? Harry's my point of irritation in both games, but mainly the the West Ham winner. He did he did the same thing last year at Molyneux, where I think a cross came in and he just made zero effort to stop it. And obviously they scored. Well, they scored in both games, but like, yeah, his form in general and just his lack of effort is just deeply concerning and it doesn't look to be getting any better. Last night, was it last night? Well, there we are. Yeah. Last night he was dreadful again, I thought. And yeah, I think we were at our best back in the day, back in the day, like four or five years ago when he was sort of like leading from the front and pressing and that's just gone now. And I think it's causing a lot of problems like for us in general. So my optimism is Romero because he already looks too good for us and he's been here five minutes. But yeah, he was excellent. And I thought like Bernie's a really tough away game. I know it was like a second string side, but he did really, really well. And he just looks like a Rolls Royce defender. Um, so I'm really excited about him. Yeah. And I, I know what I said to you guys earlier, I think Romero's at that point now where you kind of almost feel sorry that he's joined us. It's like, he's so good now. And it's like, you kind of just want to grab and go, we're not normally this bad, honestly, mate. Stick with us. We will hopefully get good again. Like, I feel a bit sorry for him that we're actually this bad at the moment. And, and he sort of instantly became our best defender by a long, long way. 
Um, Tom, over to you. Well, there were, upsettingly, there was about 20 minutes in that game, the West Ham game, where I thought we played quite well. Like the, the second half of the first half, I really thought maybe we've turned a corner. Things are starting to come together. The fullbacks looked quite good. Son was making some really nice runs. Tangi was playing really well again. Uh, Ollie, a word for Ollie Skip. Like I thought he was excellent at points in that game, and he's still uh, really young. And he was just bossing the midfield. Um, so yeah, there was like half of a half where we played really well. And at half time, I was feeling really optimistic. But yeah, the depressing thing is I was watching it with a mate who's a West Ham fan. The worst bit was at the end when my wife turned to me. Both our respective wives were in the pub. Kirsty, my wife's not that into football. And at the end, I sort of had my head in my hands next to my West Ham supporting mate. And Kirsty said, Come on, Tom, don't be like that. Congratulate Paul, who is my West Ham supporting <laughs> mate. And I was just like, it doesn't, it doesn't work like that. Like, I'm not gonna congratulate him. Uh, she was like, he would have been, he would have like taken this better if Spurs had beat West Ham. I was like, no, he would not. Uh, so yeah, that was terrible. <laughs> but yeah, that whole second half, as everyone else has said, like we just faded and it became so frustrating. And maybe, yes, like I think second week in a row, I'm talking about the lack of subs. Like the first sub was 84 minutes in, I think, when Lacelso. Uh, came on for Ndombele. It was clear 10 minutes into that second half that we were struggling and something had to be done. So, I don't know. And Nuno needs to look like he's doing something, like he's trying to turn around this situation that isn't going very well for him. So, it, yeah, the lack of subs again was just so bizarre. Um, and your is your point of optimism, Tom, half, half of a half? Half of a half? <laughs> And, uh, yeah, an Ollie skip, a bit of Ollie skip. But, yeah, half of a half, and I was optimistic half-time, but I shouldn't have been because I should have known that I'd be let down. I think that's my point of irritation, is that I did allow myself to get quite excited that we were going to go on and win at half-time at West Ham. Um, I think my second point is, is Bergvine. Not so much a point of irritation or annoyance, more just I feel... He, he he makes me feel very sad at the moment. I don't know that I've seen a player at Tottenham so stripped of all confidence since, I mean, we were debating this in our group. I mean, maybe Soldado, maybe sort of David Bentley, like that sort of level of, you know, the, the light has gone out from their eyes. There's, there's, you know, there's no, there's no confidence in anything he seems to do when he's got the football or any of his runs or anything, anything at all at the moment. And it makes me feel really quite miserable. Um, and, What's annoying is that he feels like one of those players that had he gone to a Leicester or even a Southampton even, perhaps, I feel like he would be sort of a star of the Premier League. And I feel like we have a number of these players that I just think have suffered from a real lack of coaching. Um, and that that makes me feel sad. Um Anything else from the last couple of games? Oh, my point of optimism. I'm so that made me so bleak. I forgot to uh, talk about something. I'm going to say I'm going to say Emerson Royale. I feel like he has recovered from quite a baptism of fire in his Tottenham career to really start looking the part. And I thought 
for me, he was our best player alongside Romero last night. Um, and I think, you know, a real cause for optimism is is that little partnership on the right-hand side of defence that he and Romero seem to be striking up. Um, so he's mine. Um, any other points from the weekend, Billy? Yeah, I just want to reiterate how um, Tottenham it is and how ridiculous it is the fact that we rested an entire 11 for a cup game which we should easily win in preparation for the league game against West Ham and then lost them both. That is like, if you, 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 you can kind of telegraph those kind of things happening to us Tottenham fans because you just kind of knew that was coming. Um, I think it's easy to say in hindsight that was a terrible decision, but it's just, I can't believe we managed to lose both games despite having, you know, a fully rested 11 in, in a week when West Ham rested some of their players and all of them and they won both of the games it's just like it's just that's the level we're at now kind of being jealous of West Ham I know we spoke about last week um, and as a Tottenham fan that's such a disappointing place to be jealous of West Ham but that's kind of where we are but I don't want to I don't want to be too negative so I'd also like to shout out Lucas Moura I think he is um, he's been a kind of continual bright spot all season really um, and he kind of took the game into his own hands yesterday when literally no one else was so I want to shout out Lu- Lucas Moura as well I was quite impressed that we also managed to score not one goal in either of those two games as well. Like, I guess we played what, like, twenty-two different players, and not one of them could could muster one goal in two matches. Very, very impressive. Um, Rosa, did everybody see that lovely um, player tribune um, thing that Lucas did? It was, honestly, I'm on a real. I feel like I'm on a real journey with Lucas now, where I. For ages, I've just said, you know, he's he's done more for our club than like 99% of the idiots who've walked through those doors and he will always, always deserve to be there, but he's not that good. And I don't know, I feel maybe I'm wrong about that. And I think my feeling with Lucas at the moment is I've always thought that that moment in Amsterdam was just like a magical, weird thing that just happened and everything else that he does is like that's that's not his level but what if you know like what if that's actually his ceiling what if it isn't this like mad spectacular thing that just came out of nowhere what if if he just had time and played consistently not that he would ever recreate that magic again but what if he could recapture some of that I don't know I think maybe I've been too harsh on him for you know three years Ash you're going to disagree (laughs) <laughs> no, 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 I, I'm not. He's just a weird player because hmm. he, like, scored that amazing goal at Old Trafford, like, and then that hat-trick at home. And you're just like, it has all the glimpses of, like, doing exactly what you said, but then he just frustrates the hell out of you by making the weirdest runs and losing the ball constantly and, like, running down blind alleys. Um, and I'll just cuss him out all game and then he pops up with the winner against Burnley away and makes me like an idiot. So I don't, I don't really get Lucas or what he's about but he's a great sub that's where I'm going I don't know and at least he always puts in a lot of effort like which is more than can be said for so many of our midfielders who we I don't know if we'll get on to but um yeah at least he's always putting in effort Tom you you made a good point that he's basically become Nuno's Traore um at Spurs and that you know, Nuno's teams, I think we can now understand from uh, supporting one. They're, they're, they're set up reasonably simple, it seems. And it seems as though a very key part of his teams is having someone to carry the ball as quickly as possible from one 
uh, end of the pitch to the other, which Lucas does do really well. And I think there's a case for him kind of being like one of our absolute most, maybe not best, best, but like one of our most important players now in terms of if we are going to be effective in any way under Nuno, I think Lucas has to, definitely has to start. Um, And also we kind of rely on him for an awful lot now. Rosa. Yeah, but I also think anyway, there's something about his attitude um, and it, it isn't just the fact that he will give constant effort. Is if you see him talking and the way he talks about having watched other players and he talks about watching Neymar and how Neymar was never afraid to make mistakes and just to keep going and trying to learn. And I think if you have a player who's always willing to do that and is not a kind of afraid to who won't sort of back down in the face of kind of quite serious challenges. And we do have serious challenges at Tottenham. So maybe it's, you know, come as the hour, come as Lucas. Um, I, I think he's going to have a good season. I do. Um, whether or not any of us wanted him to be an integral part of the team this season, um, I doubt. But I think he's going to, whoever the coach is, I think he's got a big part to play this season. Um Perhaps starting against Manchester United, which we should talk about. Um, uh, what, what's everyone calling it? Um, El, El Sakiko, perhaps, uh, is being billed online. Um, I personally don't... I think I think, uh, I think think Nuno could lose quite a few games without being fired is my perhaps worry. But I think for Solskjaer, it definitely feels like losing to Tottenham right now is the sort of final humiliation that perhaps the United... Uh, top brass need to get rid of them. Um, I can't wait. I'm really excited to, to go to the match. I feel like it's been ages since we've actually had a game at the stadium. And I think if anything, this season has underlined how just how much I love watching Spurs play live. I think, you know, the pandemic and football behind closed doors was awful and I hated it and it stripped away an awful lot of what I personally enjoy about football. So I, I can't wait, even though we're playing terrible football, I am really excited to get back to the stadium. Um, prediction time, everyone. Um, Ash, what, what do you think is going to happen on Saturday night? Probably <laughs> no subs till like the 79th minute. Um, pretty drab game. I don't know. I'm looking forward to, to it for the reasons that you mentioned, but I'm dreading the football that we play, genuinely. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm just confused by us, but yeah, I, I just didn't play out like the previous ones have, but hopefully a bit tighter. I'm not expecting to get beat 3-0 again. Well, fingers crossed. I wonder if United will be a bit more conservative, perhaps, than they normally are. Um coming off the back of the Liverpool game I feel like they'll probably look to counter a bit more which um, could mean an awful lot of football being played very tentatively by two teams refusing to go for the other perhaps Um, Tom how are you feeling about it all? I mean just the worry is on paper obviously they were absolutely awful against Liverpool but on paper they can switch their entire attacking players and still have have a better midfield and forwards than us, maybe besides Kane and Son. I don't know. But yeah, they're like, they've still got Lingard, Sancho, thank God Pogba's um, suspended. But yeah, I'm worried. I'm not feeling particularly 
confident, but like you said, I'm excited. I think it's a full month since the game at the lane uh, at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. So <laughs> I'm, uh, yeah, I'm excited to get back and have some beers and Turkish on the high road before the game. But um, I'm not feeling confident, no. Rosa, confident? Um, do you know what? Fuck it. Yeah, we're going to win. I'm just going to go for it. <laughs> I'm so bored of being miserable. Um, why not? You're all there. You know, my, um, like, I, I'm not going to go to this one because I share a season ticket with my partner, Ollie, um, and he's going to go. But there's like a whole, like, it's, it's going to be like sold out, right? It seems like loads of people are going. I think the atmosphere will be pretty good, at least to begin with. And, let, I think you know. I think we could do. I think we could do them like we did Man City. I'm going to go for it. Yeah. I am. Um, I keep forgetting it's an evening game, basically as well. We've not had a home, uh, sorry, a, a league game at home in in the evening for a long, long time. So that will hopefully add an extra bit of um, excitement to things. Billy, are we going to win? Yeah, I was just literally about to mention that. Actually, I think our only hope. Because if it is one of those nights at the lane where the, the crowd get fully behind a team, um, kind of similar to what we saw at the Man City game, I think that's literally our only hope of winning. Um, I think also I was going to mention, as you mentioned just now, people are calling it El Sakiko or whatever, but the thing is, if Man United lose, they probably will sack Solskjaer. If we lose, Nuno's not going to go. So I don't think <laughs> that's really fair labelling. Um, as, as right or wrong as that is, I just don't, can't see Nuno losing this game and being sacked, um, even if it's quite a heavy defeat. I think the interesting thing as a Tottenham fan is, um, if you're going into a team that has just been thrashed, you know, for most fans, that would be a good thing. But I think the Tottenham fan in me thinks, God, that's the last thing that we need. Um, coming off the back of a 5-0 win, I think, uh, 5-0 loss. Um, you just know that that's the kind of thing that just always serves to mess us up. Um, and I think they're probably going to respond quite well to it because Solskjaer's job is literally on the line. Um, so I am a little bit worried, but I'm just hoping and praying that it's one of those nights of the lane where the crowd come through for us and we just, we just have one of them nights and, and beat them. So I'm going to be a bit optimistic as well. I am... Um... I kind of worry that it's going to be a wholly unsatisfactory one-all draw, which is probably the result the majority of both fan bases absolutely dread as it keeps the the heads of their respective managers on, on the shoulders. Um, yeah, I reckon we'll score first and then just drop deeper and deeper and deeper until we're basically spending the second half like defending on our goal line and then eventually Ronaldo will do something annoying. Um Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Um, we're going to talk about something a bit jollier now. Uh, the incredibly exciting victory over Burnley got us all thinking about uh, glory nights of League Cups past. Um, and it turns out we've actually got quite a storied history of pretty fun League Cup uh, endeavours over the years. Um, we asked a lot of, well, we asked everyone on Twitter, on our on our Twitter page to give us their uh, favourite League Cup memories and we were delighted with the amount of responses we got and also some of the excellence of the replies as well. Um, we're going to start off by doing ours and we'll also call out a few of your um, a few of your tweet suggestions as well. Um, I'm going to go first. My favourite League Cup memory is from the 2001-2002 season, uh, semi-final second leg against Chelsea we were 2-1 down from the first leg and we, under Glenn Hoddle, absolutely demolished Chelsea 5-1, which was the sort of first in 
this incredible fight, sort of pair of five ones, the second of which I think we're going to go on and talk about. Um, I, I was I was watching the goals again on YouTube before before we recorded tonight, and all the goals are incredibly fun as well. Everson scores after two minutes from a John Terry mistake. Um, Tim Sherwood scores after about half an hour from remember the old Anderton Sheringham corner routine. So they do that. Anderson takes the corner and then Teddy like does a decoy run, like lets the ball go past him and then Sherwood smashes it in, which is, I don't think anyone has ever pulled off a sort of decoy Anderton Sheringham corner routine successfully. Um, Teddy himself then scores an absolute rocket on about 50 minutes. So a very sprightly looking Simon Davies scores and then Rebrov scores to round things off. <laughs> it's got everything you could possibly want. And then of course, uh, we let them score one right at the end, uh, Mikhail Forsell. Um, and I can remember going to that match and to tap into a sort of previous uh, podcast chat, I can, I can remember thinking, oh, that's fight. What's that on aggregate now? That's 6-3 on aggregate. That's... Uh, <laughs> there's still a few minutes of injury time here. I I think they could probably get at least two. Um, that's mine. Um, in agreement with me was uh, Matt Reese at Matt Reese underscore uh, Worthington Cup at the time. He says 5-1 versus Chelsea at home. It's one of my first memories. Pretty good first memory to have. Um, Ollie of uh, Rosa and Ollie fame also tweeted. Um, he unfortunately sort of goes into the, the sad ending to this story. Um, beating Chelsea 5-1 in the semi in 2002, naturally we blew the final against the Blackburn team featuring a 900-year-old Mark Hughes, um, Ferdinand missing a one-on-one. I remember going to that. I spent the last of what was my student loan um, to go to Cardiff for that final by myself. Um, and it took me about like 17 hours and three coaches to get back to university after that. And I remember my, uh, my next door neighbor in halls, um, so didn't get back to the morning and he'd gone out, bought all the back pages of the newspapers and stuck them on my door in, in halls. That was a really bleak, bleak day. Um, anyway, Billy, let's get back to happier stuff. What's yours? Your favourite League Cup memory, please. Yeah, so like you say, I've got quite a few. Uh, we've had some really good times in the League Cup. Um, but the one I've chosen is when we beat Arsenal 2-0 uh, in 2018. Deli Ali scored and Son scored. Um, the reason why I'm talking about that one is a couple of different reasons. The first reason is in keeping with this season. So this season we've played Chelsea, West Ham and Arsenal. We've lost all three games. Haven't turned, really turned up to any of them bar maybe the first half of Chelsea. Um, we lost 3-0 to Chelsea, 3-1 to Arsenal, 1-0 to West Ham. In 2018, we went on like an insane League Cup run. We beat West Ham 3-1 away, um, which was incredible. Son scored in that game, I think. Um, then we played Arsenal, beat them 2-0 at the Emirates, which we never do, ever. And it was the only time Pochettino ever won there. And then we played Chelsea and we beat them 1-0. So we beat, we beat all of our rivals in a row. We ended up drawing the next, uh, drawing on aggregate with Chelsea in the next round in the second leg of that, of that semi. And then we lost on penalties. But to go through our three main rivals and beat all three of them in a row in that, in that uh, League Cup run was amazing. Um, and I think the Pochettino era, he won pretty much every big round. I, th- I don't think he won at Anfield, I think. And that was the only time that he won at the Emirates. So that was a really, really good one. Um, and the, the Delhi Ali goal, 
I honestly think is one of the best goals we've ever scored and certainly one of the best goals we've ever scored in my lifetime. The ball over the top to Kane is brilliant and the chest control to take it down is unbelievable. But the finish from Deli Ali, and that's the kind of Deli Ali that we all spend all of our time missing and wanting to come back. Um, we could do a whole podcast on whether that would ever happen. But that is the Deli Ali that I'll always remember, that kind of the cheek to chip that ball over. Um, and it's one of my favourite types of goals. And Chadley has also, so also scored one of these goals where you score a goal at the Emirates and you just see in the background the away fans going absolutely mental uh, and the limbs sort of like in the in the horizon. Of, I love those goals when you see them on TV. Um, and when Dele Ali scores that goal, if you watch the away end, it just absolutely erupts into chaos. Um, so I think beating all three of our rivals in the same Cup run was amazing uh, and winning at the Emirates. So the only time we did it under Pochettino was amazing too. So I've gone for Tottenham 2, Arsenal 0 at the Emirates. Um, Dan Riley, uh, Dan Riley underscore 25. Um, he agrees, Billy. He says, excluding the win versus Chelsea in 2018, Ali's chip at the Emirates, scenes were quality, good night as well. Um, staying with Arsenal, Tom, I think you're going to talk about a, a certain Spurs Arsenal night. Yeah, the 5-1 uh, back in uh, 2008. Uh, I was just in a great walkabout. Do you know, like... <laughs> <laughs> Do you know the walkabout that... I realise it's not there anymore, but I was on the boat on the Thames recently going up to the Tate Britain with my wife, and it's the walkabout that's right by the temple station right by somerset house i do know the one yeah and i turned to my wife and i was like that was a great walkabout <laughs> she was like, yeah, it was. i had to check that it that she agreed uh, yeah. <laughs> so i watched that five one there and actually i just looked back at that team and there were so many players in that team that i loved uh chimbonda Dawes, king lee at left back uh lennon genus steed uh, and then Keane and Berber up front. Uh, and yeah, obviously beating Arsenal is always sweet. But um, yeah, and you know, I, I think I was still in kind of a studenty mode. So it was, only, it was only a couple of years out of uni. So I was just thought, why not watch it in uh, a walkabout <laughs> in town? Um, everyone will be thrilled to know that we have got a future episode planned where Tom talks us through his top five walkabouts uh, nationwide. Don't worry, um, yeah. So don't, don't worry, worry about that. That's coming. Tom, don't give any of the answers away. Oh, we sorry, need to get sorry, people sorry. excited. Um, plenty of people spoke about this game, as you'd imagine. Um, Lloydie, Lloydie underscore Coys says, uh, venturing to the pub next door in 2008 to watch the Arsenal game and sat with two strangers enjoying a pint and a random chat. They both turned out to be Gooners and we beat them 5-1. They took it in good spirits. So, Tom, these guys took it in better spirits than you did the other day, or Kirsty would approve. Um, and we carried on drinking and bantering after the game. Um, Greg King at Gregory King, Gregory L. King, rather. The 5-1 semi-final second leg is the obvious one, but specifically, I loved Keane, Berbatov and Lennon arm-in-arm in celebration after Mel Bronx's goal. Such a joyous moment that even Dimitar Berbatov let himself go a bit for. Um, Tom Johnson uh, at TJ underscore 2303 says has to be the 2008 semi-final the hard fought 1-1 in first leg then slapping them at White Hart Lane in the second leg glorious um, Alexander Brown our friend Alex uh, he says the 5-1 at Arsenal um, born in 91 hadn't seen them beat them before um, friend of mine from my village rang at 4-1 to congratulate me on it finally happening I shouted at him that it was too soon and they always come back 
that or the Tainio point at the score, which I think we're going to talk about in a minute. Um, and that takes us neatly on to a slightly different semi-final, a bit more tense, this one. Um, Ash, what's yours? Mine is us bizarrely drawing with Sheffield United away at Bramall Lane. So my dad is like not an extravagant person, but he bizarrely hired two splitter vans with drivers to drive like me, my brother's, like his friends and like a load of mates to, to Sheffield. And we got there and it was, it was the most old school game. Like all the older people I was with was like, this is like something out of the 1970s. There were like fights kicking off everywhere. And the away end was just like, it was one of the best away days ever. Like we were in like really good voice. Ericsson scores an amazing free kick. We then go full Spurs mode and like can see two goals right at the end to take it to extra time. And then I think Kane plays an amazing ball to Ericsson, if my memory serves correctly. And Ericsson like scores a, a winner like right at the death. Um, and just the way out, even getting out of the ground was just so mad. There were like fights kicking off everywhere. And I think it snowed really heavily to the point where if we'd left like 10 minutes later, we'd have been stuck in Sheffield for, for an entire night. So a lot of Spurs fans bizarrely ended up in Sheffield for like an extra like day or two after, but it was like a really big night and obviously we got to the final. So it's great. I am um, that this was another one that I I rewatched before we recorded tonight and I didn't realise it was Che Adams of, you know, Premier League Che Adams fame that scored and you were right, two goals in two minutes he scored in the 77th and 79th minute. And I can remember that that pit of your stomach feeling when Spurs are about to humiliate you in some, you know, awful, awful way and the you know, you start thinking, I'm going to have to go to work tomorrow. And because were, were they like League One? I don't even think they were championship at the yeah, time, if memory serves. Yeah, were League One. Who was the manager? I need to look up who the manager was. I feel like it was. But yeah, two incredible Ericsson goals. That free kick was out of this world. And the, the win, well, the, the winner slash equaliser was, I just remember the coolness with which he took that. I can still just, oh, I, I miss that, that cool, calm, collected. Right. It was Nigel Clough. Like every day, every day of my life. Um, Billy, go on. I feel like I'm turning into the away fan correspondent here, but um, <laughs> I remember the home leg of that game. I was stood right next to the Sheffield United away fans and they are probably to this day the best ever away fans I've ever seen at Tottenham. And I don't know if you remember, but they sang for the whole game everywhere we go. And we mm. literally nicked it from them straight from that game. <laughs> and it became like a Tottenham chart. But we literally shamelessly stole that from a League One team and then sang it afterwards. But that's how good they were. They literally inspired our whole fans. I uh, love, they were brilliant that night. They were unbelievable. I remember. Yeah, I'd forgotten about us thieving that chant. My God, you're completely right. I remember yeah. the... Do you remember the, the Arsenal 2-1 that season? The Kane sort of two goals, sort of breakout performance. And I remember yeah. we basically sang that for the whole second half. And I remember being with someone who wasn't at the Sheffield United game and not knowing whether to admit that we'd stole it to them. Because <laughs> it was, he was like, wow, this is incredible. What an amazing atmosphere. Pochettino's got started at Tottenham. I was like, oh. <laughs> I remember weeks later, yeah, turning to my mates and going, have we just, is, did that just come from the Sheffield game? Like, it was weird. And also, I still find it weird that it was or is sung when we're at home. Like, because the, the, we're singing everywhere we go. We're at our own home. Like, I get it if you're singing that away. It doesn't really make sense if you're in your own ground, I don't think. 
Well, some of you lot do come up from South London, so it does take a while, I guess. Um, did we not? We, so still... we, stole, we stole the song, but did we not also steal two Kyles from Sheffield? We did, yeah. That was one before. Good, I th- one yeah. terrible. Yeah. I miss, I our, double, I miss our double deals. Um, I remember someone tweeting like, thanks, Sheffield, um, so long, and thanks for all the Kyles <laughs> after that game. <laughs> Um, Double deals yeah. like uh, Matthew Everington and Simon Davis. Yeah, absolutely. And wasn't Andy... Dawson and Andy Reid as well? Absolutely. Which yeah. yeah. sort of comes as the second player always turns out better than the one we originally went for. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we went for Norton primarily, and then we kind of got yeah. Walker on the side. <laughs> and like the same happened with Andy Reid and Dawson, I think. I'm pretty sure. I suppose you could make the case that we've done a double deal uh, with Romero and Gallini this summer. So maybe they're bringing the old, but you know, Bale and Reggie. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, Ben and Reggie. Um, Tradition. Let us know your favourite to Tottenham do. That's double That's the only deals. way to guarantee it. It's the only way to guarantee getting a good player. You've got to buy two. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Steve um, at Three Yard Screamer on Twitter says, um, obviously the 5-1 versus Arsenal, but the Ericsson free kick against Sheffield United was absolute smut. What would give for someone who could hit them like that now? Um, do you mean, Steve, you can't remember that free kick that Harry Kane scored against Aston Villa in 2003 or whatever it was? Come on, we've got a really good free kick, free kick take. Um, right, Rosa, you get to talk about the last time Spurs won a trophy. Yeah, little did we know. I mean, we probably could have guessed, really, at the time. Um yeah, what, a, what just a ridiculous, unexpected day. I had to pick it because I, I did think about the Chelsea 5-1 as well because that one I went to, I took my dad for his 50th. So it was like an extremely high-risk, high-reward event. Um, but then just, just to actually be there, to actually be there the last time we won a trophy, um, I went with my uncle and my cousin. And I think it was the first time I'd been to... Wembley. I've n- I never went to old Wembley to watch any sport. I think I only went to, to concerts there. And so I, and I'd never been to New Wembley either. And I remember just going in there and just being immediately like super stressed out. Thinking, what, like, what am I doing here? This is so exciting. I'm so, but like, we're never going to win. We're never going to win. And like, look at, and I look, if I look at that team now, and it is such a nice team. And I think, yeah, of course we won. Of course we won. But then you look at the Chelsea team, and that Chelsea team's ridiculous. Like, Drogba, well, how are we going to be a team that has video Drogba in it, really? And all, I'm just going to have a quick look at it now, because I think it's just, yeah, it's like Czech, Terry, Carvalho, Lampard, Essien, and Nelka, Drogba. Like, and like Balak and Joe Cole and as subs so it was just one of those rare 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 nights when normally if you're Tottenham you don't get these things going your way you don't get that magic really but it happened and it was so close to not happening for so long with and then when we equalized I remember just having a sort of moment of hope and thinking what if we actually did it what if we actually did it and then going into extra time and thinking there's absolutely no way and then when Woodgate scored everybody just going completely completely insane and I honestly think that's 
that's one of my happiest days ever, ever, ever. It's just incredible. And if you said to me then, you know, we're not going to win anything again for, well, who knows? Who knows? I mean, I probably would have believed you, but also it's pretty, it's pretty sad to think that in subsequent, in four subsequent finals, we haven't even scored a goal. I'm not going to dwell on that. It was just a great, great, great day. And it's just, it's a ridiculous competition, but it sort of feels, like it's it's ours in a sort of stupid way, doesn't it? Mm, yeah, I think that that final was was magic. I mean, the idea that like one day Ramos is the last is still the last Spurs manager. I mean, I can it's barely even remember day. what he. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and it, it really felt like you know he'd come from Sevilla, where he was this perennial trophy winner, and he did it immediately with Tottenham that we were that we were really onto something and. I just, you know, everything, everything seemed to go right that day. I, I, again, I was watching the video before we came on and I'd completely forgotten that the ref blew up with, uh, I think it was Solomon Kalou in on goal for Chelsea. And the ref just like inexplicably <laughs> blows his whistle. And it's like, if there is not a sign that that day was like somehow meant for Tottenham, then, then that was it. Um, Billy, any memories of that day? Yeah, so I just want to um, shout out one of my kids from last year. So I'm a year six teacher, and one of my kids put in their card at the end of the year, and they're leaving to go to secondary school. They put, uh, they wrote a message, and they put, by the way, I wasn't even born last time to put them on a trophy. And I kind of laughed at him, like, ha, ha, yeah, good, good one, good one. Obviously, you were. And then I actually sat and thought, they actually weren't. So if you had a child that summer, they would now be in secondary school. That's how long ago it was. And it speaks to how. T- depressing my life is that I actually know this next Tuesday will be 5,000 days since we last won a trophy I saw that mentioned on Twitter 5,000 days has passed since we last won a trophy so <laughs> that is almost it's 4,995 days away and that was so uh, quite depressing uh, well luckily we're going to win the League Cup this year so it's fine now the Man City, Man City are out time. right Man City are out it's ours so to lose um, a few people obviously uh, we're very happy to reminisce on Twitter about the 2008 final. Um, Chris SG um, at CMSG1976 said simply Timu Tainio. And I think we all remember Timu's sterling contribution to that final, which was basically goading Chelsea by pointing at the score during extra time. Um, Dave Scott at Dave underscore Scott 23 says, was living in Sydney for the 2008 final. 300 Spurs fans packed into the, into the Gaelic club. Absolutely mental night, befriending strangers and holding them, celebrating, doing doing Robbie Keane cartwheels all over Circular Key at 6am, one of the best nights of my life. That got me feeling a bit emotional, actually, even just reading that. We we deserve we deserve that again, don't we? Um, Matt at Matty F Spurs says, winning it against Chelsea and New Wembley. Friend had gifted us his club Wembley seats and we were in the Chelsea end. Still, the bonus was that was the end Woodgate scored in. Uh, JH at Jason Haslam says Didier Zakora going through on goal in the final against Chelsea. He couldn't, could he? He definitely couldn't. Turned out fine in the end, though. I mean, what a quintessentially Tottenham Hotspur moment. I think, Rosa, you mentioned Didier in the, our first ever podcast as your yeah. favourite useless player. And what what an incredible moment that was. <laughs> <clears throat> Will Green, Will Gilgrass uh, at Will Gilgrass says Carling Cup final versus Chelsea. Um, Ledley Kings, last outing. Really, and he owned Drogba on half a knee. Um, he did, and oh, the 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 promise of King and Woodgate didn't they? They just looked in, oh, imperious that day, and I, they probably played what like three more matches together as a duo before that was 
taken away for us. Um, we had a few other good tweets uh, about League Cup memories as well. Um, very much enjoyed being reminding um, of Eric Dyer excusing himself to presumably do a big poo or something against Chelsea in the Carabao Cup last year. Thank you, Mike, at Paxton240 for reminding me of that. Um, obviously, a lot of people spoke about the 99 Leicester final. Um, particularly enjoyed rem- being reminded um, by Archibald and Crooks, who make the excellent Spurs hats that you've probably seen. Um, they tweeted, just in Edinburgh doing the entire planet a favour and nutting Robbie Savage at the old Wembley, um, which at the time was quite a stressful moment because I was then convinced we were going to lose, but uh, turned out fine, thanks to Alan Nilsson, of course. Um, Lee Bennett at Lee Bennett. 208 says, meeting Pat Jennings at the 99 Cup final and my dad drunkenly telling him not to forget his roots. Biggest hands I've ever seen. <laughs> they really are enormous. I've met Pat Jennings. I've never, ever met anyone with bigger hands. Um, the 99 Worthington Cup final semi over Wimbledon, uh, people reminded us of, which I think was part of that. Um, was that part of that completely miserable? Uh, we played them like five times. Yeah, there were like three goals scored in about 19 fixtures across a really bleak winter or whatever it was. Um, Strange choice. But I think if if, um, um, Dean Wallman uh, at D Wall M um, tweeted about this one and also tweeted an incredible shot of Stefan Everson um, because there was a pitch invasion at, at Selhurst at the final whistle in that semi final. And I, th- I think Everson scored a, a brace in that game to win us the tie, and I think, well, he's he's been hoisted onto the shoulders of fans in that in at Salas. That's a really amazing amazing shot. And my, I'm I'm sort of annoyed that I didn't remember this as someone who's so deeply madly in love with uh, with with Jan Vertonghen. But Cameron at CamTHFC uh, tweeted a picture simply of uh, Jan pulling down the pants of. Aston Villa's Nicholas Hellenius um, in a 4-0 win uh, in a third round uh, tie in 2013, which is a match I'd completely forgotten about, apart from Jan somehow not getting a red card and giving away a penalty for quite literally just yanking down the shorts of an opposition player, which I don't think I've ever seen before or since. (laughs) Jan, I miss you so much. Uh, I just... I swear to God, he would be still the best partner for Christian Romero. Um, and it's a ridiculous, ridiculous thing that he's no longer playing for Tottenham Hotspur. That's a different podcast episode. Um, we're going to leave the League Cup now. Um, we'll return to it when we reach the final in a few months. Um, I want your culture picks now, please, guys. We're going to wrap things up as ever by um, just getting a little cultural. Um, Ash, what's your pick for this week? Can I pick a restaurant? Yeah, absolutely. And 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 it's only because I keep eating there, and it, I sh- I need to stop. And I almost feel, I almost don't want to say it because it's really difficult to get in because it's really busy. But there's a, there's a place called Kiln in Soho which does Thai food, which is insane, and I recommend it to everyone. Um, and it's like the sister restaurant, I think, to another place called Smoking Goat in Shoreditch, but. Yeah, just check out Kiln. It's like insane Thai food. Any dishes you would recommend us? Yeah, there's these lamb cumin skewers. They're like a star. And yeah, you need to eat those. That's my random pick. No, I like it. Good pick. Um, Rosa, what's yours? 
I'm going to go for Insecure, which um, returned yesterday um, for the fifth and final season. I missed it almost as much as I missed Succession, just for a completely different reasons, completely different vibes. I really love Issa Rae. I find her just so charming and hilarious. I'm quite, I don't, like if you watch it, you'll know. So, but I'm quite upset. I've watched the first episode and I was super excited to have it back and now I'm quite upset at the outcome of something which I won't discuss but I'm pretty sad and hoping it will like fix itself over the next 10 episodes but it's still it's a great show it's so funny and it has the also additional bonus of curating like all of the music I'm going to listen to for like the next year basically so Insecure amazing amazing show um, do reach out to Rosa on Twitter if you too uh, need to talk about the first episode of the new season. Yeah, please. I yeah, I'm feeling emotional. I need support. <laughs> um, Tom, what's yours? Uh, I've just finished the Blair and Brown uh, docs on iPlayer, which, for obvious reasons, are really great for the first couple of episodes and you're like whooping at the screen at 1997 and at this amazing partnership that Blair and Brown form in the early days uh, and the way they revitalise the Labour Party. Anyway, then it obviously it gets really dark and you spend the last two episodes with your head in your hands. But actually, because my attention span is shot to pieces from the pandemic and also from having two young kids, I'm just enjoying loads of half-hour comedies at the moment. So Only Murders in the Building on Disney Plus, I finished and was really good. Uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm is just back. Stathlet's Flats is just back. Uh, and I need to watch both of those new first episodes of their new series. But Dave on iPlayer, which is about Lil Dicky, who is a comedy rapper who I had no um, interest in particularly, but that show is excellent. It's like this weird cross between Donald Glover's Atlanta and South Park or something. It's really quite gross and puerile and silly and also sort of deep at the same time. Uh, and, yeah, it's also weird that it's on iPlayer because it's this silly American half-hour comedy, but there's two series, ten episodes of series, and you'll just smash through them. They're really stupid, but also just you'll properly, like, gut laugh out, out loud at, the, at it quite a few times. It's really quite good. Don't let Lil Dicky put you off if you've seen or heard anything about Lil Dicky previously. Um, good stuff, good stuff. Billy, what's yours? Yeah, I'm going to go for a film, actually. So I've been to the cinema twice uh, in the last week um, to see No Time to Die, um, which I did enjoy, even though it was like way too long. Um, as I've spoken about with Rosa before in the past, no film needs to be longer than 90 minutes. Come on, let's sort this out. No film ever needs to be more than 90 minutes. Um, um, but the film I'm going to choose is June, which I saw last week, um, Denis Villeneuve, uh, sci-fi. Um, and I think the difference between those two films is, I, I enjoyed them both, but um, James Bond was a film that was made for like big audiences. June is a film that's made for big cinemas. Um, and I never do this. I never normally do this because I always I have an unlimited card. I always go to my local cinema in South Rice. Yep. Um, but I actually went to the Leicester Square Odeon, the Lux there, to see June. Um, and the sound there and the picture there was like, unbelievable. It was mind-blowing. Um, it actually hurt to look at the screen sometimes. It was so bright. And the sound actually could feel it right in my chest. Um, it's a really, really serious sci-fi film that I'm not 
at some points to be honest I had no idea what was going on but I was just sort of enjoying <laughs> absorbing the emotions of it all and like didn't really have a clue what was going on um but I just absolutely loved it and I think Denny Villeneuve at the moment is on an insane run of films um he made Arrival which is possibly my all-time favorite film uh he's just done Blade Runner a sequel he's now done this I've done Prisoners so I think for me he's the most exciting blockbuster director working today along with Christopher Nolan so I'm Really, really excited that it's just been greenlit for a sequel as well, because I know it's kind of a weird film that came at the beginning. It says part one and part two was never confirmed. Uh, so we're kind of waiting with bated breath to see how it did in the box office. But I think it's like tearing up at the box office. So they've instantly greenlit the second one. So, yeah, love that. Amazing. You're going to watch I'm... the uh, David Lynch version. Yes, I do now need to go back and watch Absolute the David Lynch classic. Because I've mad. heard that there is a mad scene with Sting in underpants. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I yeah. want to go back. If not, if for nothing else, just for that. Can, also, can we check that? With Sting in Only Murders in the Building as well. Have you got to the oh, Sting, yeah. Sting episode of Only Murders? I've not in the started. Building? Don't. don't All know. right, there's a weird <laughs> Sting thing. Um, so Tom, we've got a Sting special coming up from Tom and a Walkabout special from Tom. So big, big things planned. Um, that really made me want to go to the cinema. I've not been to cinema in ages. That's really, really made me want to go. Um, I'll hop over to music. Um, my pick is an album by um, Theon Cross or Tion Cross. I'm not sure how you actually pronounce it, shamefully. Um, he's got a new album called Insta Eye. It's probably the only time I reckon, uh, recommend an album by a tuba player, but this record is just unreal. Um, he's one of the leading talents in the London jazz scene that usually is something I consider way too cool for me, but I've spent a load of time with this record, um, which is out now. Um, and... He plays with genres across all sorts of things from grime to dub to all sorts of really, really cool African stuff. Um, It's brilliant and it's just been released and you should check that out. Um, There's quite a few good albums, but I won't, I'm going to stick to one. Rosa told us off last week for uh, recommending more than one. So I've got like six things, but that's my, that's my one thing. Um, Don't want to annoy Rosa. Right. I will wrap things up there. Thank you very much, guys. That was a lot of fun reminiscing and not getting too bleak about Tottenham, which is very easy to do. So thanks for cheering me up. Um, I hope there was some solace found for you too somewhere. Um, That was Hometown Glory. Uh, Episode three in the bag. Who's going to give us our farewell? Billy, over to you. Yeah, I feel like we should end by a a Partridge-style like phone in, tweet in request. Please do tweet us with your favourite walkabouts, um, just so we can sort of crowdsource some of those. <laughs> and I just want to finish by saying up the Spurs. The crowd goes wild. Okay, okay, okay. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.